Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, guys. Welcome to the latest edition of the Pump Fake. A lot to uh, unpack today. Training camps are in full swing, which is exciting. Um, I didn't expect to uh, to open the show with this, but um, but Tyreek Hill keeps talking, so I am gonna lead off with, and this is from Adam Beasley of Pro Football Network tweeting out. He's kind of kept this uh, update kind of going. Uh, Tyreek Hill continuing to compare to a tongue of Iloa and Patrick Mahomes, which he's seemingly been doing all off season, by the way, like ever since he was traded to Miami, Tyreek Hill has become to his number one fan, which by the way, I have been an advocate on Twitter for guys defending their guys. Like I get it, especially if you're a receiver defending your quarterback, like that's the guy who's going to, you know, help you be successful in terms of throwing you the ball, making sure you get your touches. So I get it. I defended Devontae Adams, um, you know, talking about Derek Carr, saying he was a Hall of Fame caliber player. You know, that's his dude. That goes back to college with them. That's his guy. That's his quarterback. I get it. However, I have a line. And that line is just the amount that Tyreek Hill compares to Watsungabailoa to Patrick Mahomes. And on one of these tweets, or on a few of them, I guess, Adam Beasley said that Tyreek Hill has said, I believe this is on first take, that Watsungabailoa is the most accurate quarterback in the NFL and that he sees a lot of similarities between Watsungabailoa and Patrick Mahomes. So let's start with the accuracy thing. Tua is accurate, I will say that. But there is a, a definite gray area that's not being touched there, is that he doesn't throw the ball downfield. Yeah, he's accurate when he's throwing it four yards in front of him, which he does a lot. And don't take it for, go watch what the Dolphins did last year, especially when they went on that run. Tua had that stretch where he completed like 70% of his passes in a few consecutive games. Look at his numbers, though. He's near the bottom of the league in yards per completion, air yards per, per attempt. It's not airing it out. It's not as if Tua Tungavailoa is setting the world on fire with his arm. And in terms of the similarities between Patrick Mahomes and Tua Tungavailoa, they both play quarterback. That's where the similarities between the two end. That is it. Tua's not running around, extending, extending the play, and making huge plays with his arm the way Patrick Mahomes is. Tua Tungavailoa isn't a once-in-a-generation talent like Patrick Mahomes is. Tua Tungavailoa isn't throwing 40 touchdowns a year. And even when he does throw 40 touchdowns a year, we think that he's getting worse like Patrick Mahomes is. 
That's the general dialogue about Patrick Mahomes. He threw for, what was it, 43 touchdowns last year. Everybody was saying, eh. You know why? Because we're getting Patrick Mahomes fatigue. It's the Michael Jordan syndrome. That's what we're starting to get with Patrick Mahomes. And again, I'm notorious for not being a Tua guy. There's a lot of people who aren't Tua guys for good reason. He hasn't given us a reason to be. And again, I can get behind defending your guy, sticking up for him. But to constantly do it in the way that Tyreek Hill has done it this offseason, like, bro, we get it. There's no reason to constantly compare the two. There's just not. Not for the slightest of reasons. And he just keeps doing it. Like, all ever since he was traded to Miami, that is all Tyreek Hill has seemingly done, is talk about how Tua and Patrick Mahomes are similar, how he doesn't see, how he sees largely the same offense that he's going to be going into. And I, I just don't, I don't see it. I do not see it. Not in the slightest. So let's, let's pull up a few stats here just to debrief. Intended air yards per attempt last season. So on average, how far guys are throwing it downfield per attempt. Tua Tungabailoa was 30th in the NFL. About seven yards downfield per attempt. 30th. Guys in front of him, Daniel Jones, Davis Mills, Sam Darnold. And again, in terms of accuracy, like you can't really argue with him. He is a largely accurate quarterback, but he just doesn't throw the ball very deep. Now, in terms of these, this bad throw, like in terms of bad throws last year, Tua was 27th. So again, he is largely an accurate quarterback, but look at the other quarterbacks down there on that list. Okay, you've got Tua, you got Jalen Hurts, who again isn't testing the ball downfield a lot because he's not good at it. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw the ball downfield a lot. Justin Fields, <laughs> bless his heart. Like, I think he's got a lot of talent, but the Bears aren't doing anything to help him. And look at the guys near the top of the list your Tom Brady's, your Mahomes, your Stafford's, your Josh Allen's. Because they're willing to make those to take those chances and make those throws. And for every quote unquote bad throw they make, they make five excellent ones to help them win games. Let's stop with the Tua Tungabailoa and Patrick Mahomes comparisons. Because the only thing that they have in common is that they both play quarterback. All right. So I'm also going to get into this. A lot of noise being made. You know, this is the time of year where you know, ESPN and their execs and whatnot, they'll do their surveys and release their top 10 quarterbacks, and then this organization will do it, and then this outlet will do it. 
But it's a popular thing. I mean, lists are, it, it gets people talking. I would know. Um, and so people are up in arms that Lamar Jackson isn't on ESPN's top 10 quarterback list. To which I say, why? I, I haven't seen another quarterback in my lifetime that people get so offended about on behalf of than Lamar Jackson. Guys, it's okay to acknowledge that he's a fantastic football player, fantastic specimen, incredibly athletic, while also acknowledging his shortcomings. He's not a perfect player. But damn it, everybody on Twitter will try to make it out that he is. And if you try to criticize anything about him, it's sacrilege and they'll come for your head. So um, Darren Donahue, my coworker at 33rd team, did a big case study on it. It's a really good piece. Go read it. I, I'm not going to be able to put the charts up on here. One, um, I don't want to just because I don't want to take away from his work anything that you know you guys could read. So go read the piece. It's on 33rd team. If you just Google Lamar Jackson, 33rd team, the entire piece will come up. He goes into much greater detail. Like I said, with all his charts, all his graphs and whatnot, it's a very good piece. Go read it. Um, but basically the charts say that since his 2019 season, the past two years, he has regressed into a middle of the pack quarterback which is what I've been saying, which is what obviously Darren's been saying. A lot of different people are saying like, look, he's, he's a pain in the ass to game plan for. He does stuff with his feet. But when it comes to throwing the ball, he's just a guy. 2020, middle of the pack quarterback. 2021, by far his worst year. Again, it was marred by injuries and I get it. And everybody's saying, well, Jared, they were on their way to the playoffs before Lamar got hurt. They probably were. However, let's not act like Lamar Jackson was playing out of his mind. Aside from that incredible game against the Colts on Monday night, he threw 12 touchdowns to 13 interceptions on the year. In the game against Minnesota, that was more so the Vikings losing the game than it was Baltimore winning the game. I think he threw three picks that game. And the Vikings blew two 14-point leads. And in the game against Detroit, if not for the Ravens having the greatest kicker in the history of football on their team, they don't win that game. If Clyde Edwards-Alaire holds onto the ball week two against Kansas City, they don't win that game in all likelihood because then they're kicking Kansas City's kicking a game-winning field goal. I get that that's a lot of ifs, and week two was a big – uh, everybody was talking about, you know, the fourth down call with, with Harbaugh and everything. Like it was, it was a very big win for Baltimore because they felt like they kind of got that, that thorn out of their side. However, Clyde Edwards alert doesn't fumble. They probably still lose. And now we're going to be talking, we would be talking about the fact that on the first drive, Lamar Jackson threw a pick six to Tyron Matthew. And that the Chiefs, even without doing anything to change and challenge Baltimore defensively, still won the game.
in terms of him getting paid, like if you're the Ravens, I, they're going to extend him. I would be very surprised if he doesn't get extended because for the foreseeable future, you know, there's not going to be a guy on the market unless every year we see somebody who apparently wants to be traded now. But in terms of free agent guys that they wouldn't have to give up anything to get, there's not going to be one on the market for a while. That would be better than what they currently have. But you do run the risk if you give him a ton of money, you know, 40, $45 million of, you know, what if he does get hurt and the best aspect of his game is taken away. Also noted in that piece by Darren on 33rd team is the percentage of the cap that quarterbacks on Super Bowl winning teams over the past decade have taken up. So starting with the 2012 Ravens working our way up, 2012, Joe Flacco took up about 6.6% of the cap. 2013, Russell Wilson took up half a percent for the Seahawks. He was still on his rookie deal very early in his rookie deal. Uh, Tom Brady took up about 10.6% in 2014. Peyton Manning, 11.7% in 2015. Tom Brady, 8.6. Um, I guess this would be Nick Foles uh, at 3.4%. Could also be Carson Wentz because you know both of them um, were making a ton of money because Foles is a backup. Carson Wentz is on a rookie deal. Um, Tom Brady, 12.2 in 2018. Patrick Mahomes, 2.4 in 2019. Tom Brady, 12.2 in 2020. Matthew Stafford, 10.7 last year. So on average... Super Bowl winning quarterbacks over the last decade are taking up roughly 7.89% of the cap. The Baltimore Ravens haven't really won anything of note with Lamar Jackson on a cheap deal. Much less if they don't have enough money to spread around to give them more help. Now, granted, they brought in, you know, they've built a really good secondary. You know, they're getting Marlon Humphrey back, Marcus Peters. They just signed Marcus Williams. Drafted Kyle Hamilton. But if they can't take advantage of Lamar on a rookie deal, what are they going to do when they can't bring a lot of these guys back when he's making between 40 and 45 million a year? That's why you look at the Buffalo Bills right now and say, okay, this is, they got to win it this year because Josh Allen's extension is going to kick in. He's going to be making a lot of money. We don't know if Jordan Poyer is going to be back next year. We don't know how long they're going to be able to keep this very good core intact. So if you're Baltimore, this is the risk you're running. If you're Eric DaCosta and everybody in the, in the front office for, for the Ravens, you're asking yourself a lot of questions right now. This isn't to say that Lamar Jackson is a bad quarterback. He's not a bad quarterback. He's just not a top three quarterback like all of these, you know, these Twitter warriors would like you to think. He's just not. And the numbers show that in the last two seasons, he's gotten marginally worse and is just kind of a middle of the pack quarterback when it comes to throwing the ball. His running ability and everything like that obviously elevates him up a tier but if he gets hurt and that's taken away he's just kind of another guy 
And it's okay to look at him and say, yes, but. Which I think is what you know, a lot of people are starting to do. Same reason that Michael Vick was never looked at as like a Hall of Fame caliber guy. Lamar's better than Vick. However, Michael Vick, I mean, that was the best version of Michael Vick was in Philadelphia because he became a better pocket passer and he didn't solely rely on his legs. He still made plays with his legs, don't get me wrong, but he became Michael Vick 2.0 because he always had a cannon for an arm, but it wasn't always accurate. And that's not to say that he became you know, Drew Brees in Philadelphia, but it was a lot better than what it was in, a, in Atlanta. And Lamar's gotten better as a passer as the years have gone on, but he's still he's still not to the level of guys like you know Mahomes, Herbert. And look, he's never going to be Patrick Mahomes. You know, you you can't really that type of arm strength, arm talent. That's not something that you necessarily can reach. Like that's that's just a gift at that point. I'm not saying he's got to throw it 90 yards on a dime. But there are things where people are talking about Kyler Murray getting paid. And they're saying, oh, Lamar better start the uh, his negotiations or whatever Kyler Murray got. Which, I mean, is fair. I mean, his resume is better than Kyler Murray's. However, myself and apparently a bunch of the execs who made that top 10 list would take Kyler Murray over Lamar Jackson. Because Kyler Murray can run just as well, and he's got an absolute cannon for an arm, and it's a damn good arm. A consistently good arm. Kyler Murray has a top five arm in the NFL. You can't say that about Lamar Jackson. And again, everybody's going to bring up the MVP from 2019, which, by the way, great season. That's great. As time goes on, though, that MVP becomes less and less important. If you win multiple MVPs now, okay. If you're a guy like Aaron Rodgers who wins them you know, a decade apart and is, stays consistently one of the best passers in the NFL, that's cool. If you're Peyton Manning who constantly wins MVPs because he's one of the best arms in the NFL, that's cool. Same thing for Brett Favre, guys like that. A lot of guys have won you know, a singular MVP and just kind of waned off. Rich Gannon won an MVP. Burt Jones, 1976 of the Colts, won an MVP. Boomer Esiason won an MVP. Mark Mosley, a kicker for Washington, won the MVP. Sean Alexander won an MVP. It's not to say that MVPs aren't an incredible achievement. They are. However, using them in a long-term argument becomes less and less impressive. When it's just that one. Especially when they get worse over time. What happened to Sean Alexander after he won his MVP? He was out of the league three years later. What happened to Rich Gannon after he won his MVP? No, the Raiders were terrible. He was out of the league shortly after. Burt Jones, I mean, he's an underrated quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but nobody's talking about Burt Jones as one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Same thing for Boomer, Esi- for Boomer Esiason. Same thing for Joe Theismann. He won an MVP. You know guys who haven't won an MVP? Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers. I think I'd want to be one of them rather than Rich Gannon or Cam Newton or Boomer Esiason, or Joe Theismann. Winning an MVP is a great accomplishment. However, you can't keep coming back to that as an argument, especially as time goes on. Like with the Cam Newton people, they do it all the time. Hey, he won an MVP eight years ago. 
seven years ago, however long ago it was. Now he's a bum. It's not good. And even then, that was an outlier for his career. Compare that season to the rest of his. It's not as if he was putting up MVP season after MVP season. That year is such an outlier compared to the rest of his career. Same thing for Rich Gannon. Same thing for guys like Theismann, Burt Jones, Boomerus Eisen. All of which were fine quarterbacks who had one outlier really good year, got an MVP, and just kind of became what they were for the time. Same thing for Matt Ryan. Like Matt Ryan, he won an MVP. Why doesn't anybody ever defend Matt Ryan the way that they do Lamar Jackson? Somebody answer that question for me. Again, MVPs are great accomplishments, but as time goes on, they become less important. And if your only argument that you have is an MVP award from three years ago, well, I think that that speaks more volumes than you think against you, not for you. All right. So let's get into my top 10 quarterbacks. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about Tua, Mahomes, and now this Lamar Jackson stuff. So we'll get into my top 10 quarterbacks. Turn on a little bit of backdrop music. And then we'll get into it. All right. So my top 10 quarterbacks are as follows. I got Dak Prescott number 10. Dallas has transitioned into being Dak's team over the past couple years. You know, everything first started with him and Zeke. It was very much, this is Zeke's team. This is the offensive line. This is Ezekiel Elliott. It's become a complete 180. This is Dak Prescott's team. 37 touchdowns to, what, 10 picks. Um, Need to see more playoff success, obviously. Um, You know, I think a lot of that can be chalked up to the fact that he's had Mike McCarthy and Jason Garrett as his head coach. I don't see Dallas doing a whole lot, but Dak Prescott is a very good quarterback. He's number 10. Kyler Murray's my number nine. I touched on it a little bit already. Um, can run like Lamar Jackson, can throw like Patrick Mahomes. He's got a cannon for an arm. I think he's got the third best arm in the league behind Mahomes and Josh Allen. Um, in terms of just pure you know, game-breaking ability, can change the course of a game in one play, Kyler Murray is that guy. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does again. If he, if you switch the situations between him and Lamar Jackson, you gave him John Harbaugh. I think that Kyler Murray would be elevated that much more. Unfortunately, he's stuck with Cliff Kingsbury, who just doesn't seem to remember how to coach after the month of October. So we'll see what happens with him going forward. He just got extended big payday. Good for him. He deserves it. Kyler Murray's number nine, number eight, Russell Wilson. I'm excited to see what he does. Um, in Denver coming off a year in which he got hurt in Seattle thinks finally just parting ways with the Seahawks and Pete Carroll now I mean he's got weapons Corlin Sutton Jerry Judy KJ Hamler Tim Patrick I'm excited to see what Denver can do uh, with a a quarterback that's not named Case Keenum Joe Flacco or whomever they've had <laughs> uh, Drew Locke Teddy Bridgewater I mean they've been in quarterback purgatory for a long time since Peyton Manning left Russell Wilson's number eight. I think Denver makes a lot of noise this year uh, with with Wilson under center. Joe Burrow's number seven. Um, Getting to a Super Bowl in his second year 
Um, Cincinnati started off slow, though. Let's let's not forget that. I mean, nobody really expected that to happen. And then they, you know, got some big wins against the likes of Baltimore. Um, as the season winded down, they got hot. They beat Kansas City. Joe Burrow isn't exactly what dragged them to the Super Bowl, though. I mean, their defense came up big. He got sacked nine times against Tennessee. Logan Wilson had the interception of Ryan Tannehill. They kicked a game-winning field goal. Um, they beat Kansas City in overtime. Largely, you know, after being after being down by 18, obviously their defense got better in the second half. Burrow helped will them back into it. Their defense played really well in overtime, kick a game-winning field goal. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do behind a revamped offensive line that was just built a brick wall in front of him. I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, you know, we saw what he did last year running for his life. There's a very good chance that Joe Burrow can throw for 40 touchdowns this year. Number six, Matthew Stafford, the man who just helped the Rams win the Super Bowl over Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Um, I've been pounding the Matthew Stafford drum for a long time. It's finally nice to see him, you know, victorious. And his first year away from Detroit, too, by the way. And he leaves a place and then, you know, pretty sure that he's in somewhere with some stability. He went to Super Bowl. So good for him. Um, getting Allen Robinson in the mix now with Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson. Um, excited to see what he can do this year as well. So Matthew Stafford, number six. Tom Brady, number five. He's 45. He's still playing at the top of his game. Chris Godwin comes back. Mike Evans still there. Gronk isn't there anymore, but they just bring in Kyle Rudolph, a libel veteran tight end presence. Obviously, O.J. Howard's gone to Buffalo, too. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be a little bit different for Tampa Bay this year. Um, but Brady's still at the top of his game um, and doesn't seem to show any signs of slowing down. Uh, Justin Herbert, number four, he's a solidified stud. Uh, was it 68 touchdowns in his first two years? That's a record, I believe, for all NFL quarterbacks. I know he set the uh, the record for Chargers passing touchdowns in a year in just his second season. So he's fantastic. Everything that he's done is ungodly already. Um, he is in that tier of guys. Um, I would put him in the tier of, in terms of pure talent, just Mahomes, Josh Allen. I think Justin Herbert's right there. Um, so excited to see what he can do. They finally have, we drink the Chargers Kool-Aid every year, but they bring in JC Jackson, they bring in Khalil Mack to help out that rush defense that wasn't very good. This has to be the year that they get to the playoffs or something's just wrong. Like you've got the quarterback, you've got the weapons offensively, you've got the defense. If you can't do it this year, Brandon Staley, that's a big, big knock against you. So Justin Herbert's number four. Aaron Rodgers, number three, just won another MVP because apparently he just wants to collect him. No Devontae Adams, it's going to be interesting. It's been a talking point for Green Bay all year. What are they going to be able to do with, you know, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. They drafted Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. Now, it's going to be big changes in Green Bay, but when you got 12 under center, anything is uh, anything's possible in Green Bay. So, Rogers number three. Josh Allen, number two. He's incredible. Um, the patience that Buffalo has had with him since they drafted him. And you see the strides that he's made gone from a guy who had clear potential, a great raw arm that just wasn't very accurate, to hands down one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL on the brink of a Super Bowl year in and year out. This needs to be the year for Buffalo, though, because this is as good a roster as they're going to have potentially ever with Josh Allen. Um, and once that extension hits, I mean, like I said, there's going to be guys that they can't keep. So the pressure is very much on in Buffalo this year. But if anybody is ready for that pressure, it is Josh Allen. I'm rooting like hell for the Buffalo Bills. Um, truly one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And then Mahomes is number one. Like I said, I think everybody's just 
getting tired of Patrick Mahomes. It's the Michael Jordan syndrome. Like Carl Malone won an MVP in 1997, but Michael Jordan still had probably a better year than Carl Malone did. Everybody's just tired of you know Michael Jordan owning everything. Same thing for Patrick Mahomes. Like he's still putting up great numbers, but <laughs> we we expect we expect so much from him that if they don't reach that astronomical, almost unreachable height, we're saying, okay, he's lost a step. He ain't lost a step. He's going to be fine. Now, again, no Tyreek Hill. That's going to be, you know, this first year he's ever had to deal with that. Um, so how will guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, Miko Hardman, Marquez Valdez step up in this wide receiver room going forward? Travis Kelsey's still there, though. Andy Reid's still there. I believe wholeheartedly in the Chiefs. They're still going to be a playoff team. And Patrick Mahomes is still, you know, the best quarterback in the NFL. So that is my top 10 quarterbacks. And again, guys like Lamar isn't in my top 10. He's flirting with it. And there's guys right on the edge that I really like. Like Derek Carr flirting with it. Kirk Cousins really flirting with it hard. I'm excited to see what Minnesota does this year. With an offensive-minded coach, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, like they are—they had—they've had the talent for a while. They just haven't had the coach to get them there. So I'm excited to see how they attack this year. And the Raiders—I mean, if they played in any other division, I would be very high on them. I think they're going to be that oddball out in the AFC West. I don't trust Josh McDaniels either at all. I've seen the Josh McDaniels head coach experience and I get that it was over a decade ago, but nothing about Josh McDaniels says like born leader to me. So that's, that's another thing kind of holding me back a little bit on, on the Raiders. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys that I would love who would kind of get these honorable mentions. Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson. They all get those those honorable mentions. Again, I'm not team Lamar Jackson can do no wrong. I'm just not. Sorry if that offends you. But yes, those are my top 10 quarterbacks. That's how I feel about the, uh, the Tua Tungavailoa, Patrick Mahomes thing. Training camp is in full swing. It's a good time to be a football fan. Hall of Fame game is just 10 days away, a week from Thursday, which is going to be, I can't wait. Cannot wait. Just need football back, ladies and gentlemen. We're getting there. We're very, very, very close to preseason. And then this next month will carry us to week one, which is oh so close. Oh so close. But yes, thank you for joining me on the Pump Fake. You know, shorter show than it was last time. I know last time was an hour. Try to keep these between a half hour, 45 minutes. Um, our last, our last show was uh, you know, the power ranking show, so it, it did take a little bit longer. But there's just a few things that I needed to hit on when it came to this. You know, the quarterback stuff going on right now. It was a very quarterback-heavy show. 
So um, a lot of training camp coverage going on around the league. I'm going to be watching a lot of it. Just kind of get that, that fix. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at jbaileynfl, where I post all my stuff. So whether it be from Sports Illustrated, USA Today, 33rd Team, you can find it there at jbaileynfl on Twitter. And then hopefully, hopefully a good announcement will be coming. I'm not going to really get into what it is or what it pertains to. Um, but if I get some good news on it, I will let you guys know. So thank you all for tuning in. Uh, be sure to watch on Sportsmanlike tonight with myself and Greg Cherry on Know Your News. Um, other than that, yeah, no, no more announcements, I don't think. So I'll see you guys next time on the Pump Fake. Oh, I did lie. Uh, other announcements coming for No Notes. Uh, Matt Perino, Ben Raven, both of those will be coming soon. Um, so I'll tweet those out as well. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in to the Pump Fake. As always, I'm very grateful for you. We'll see you next time as we get ever so close to the NFL season. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.